Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brewery. What we are proud to announce here on the Three Down Greencast with myself, Joel Gasson, and John Fraser, that there is no shady business going on around here, no envelopes being tossed around the room, no secret handshake deals, nothing of the like. Everything is on the up and up because, uh, number one, we don't pay John. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> number two, Fair uh, we, like, we like to keep things legal around here and... Uh, that's not to say, though, Cavis, if you're listening and if you wanted to hand both of us an envelope full of cash, I, I don't think we would either either of us would say no at this point. You, you know what? I, I think perhaps we should just open up a numbered company and just and just like start like sliding into Cavis's DMs like, hey, baby, you up? You got some of those envelopes for me? Yeah, you do. You can't break that habit. Oh, you're so naughty. <laughs> Something like that, right? I mean, like, I, I it's worth I a shot, like right? Just... It's worth a shot. At worst, he says, "Who are you?" Um... <laughs> exactly. Second, he says, "Get off my lawn." Third, he says, "Why do you smell like delicious craft beer?" Number, th- and then he says, "Okay, here's the money." <laughs> Success. So I think we've just figured out how to get ourselves a free trip to Montreal. Although the problem is... He's probably not in Montreal anymore, though. Yeah, yeah, with the whole, like, eviction notice thing, too. Like, it's been, like... Has anybody's stock fallen quicker than Cavus Reed's? Was it ever high? It's true, but, like... (laughs) It's fair. But at first, it was just, like, Arash Madani being an asshole just ripping on him all the time. But now it's like, huh. He was kind of right. This guy is a bit of an ass clown. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of funny with her. So there's a story in the news today about uh, the NBA is looking into potential teams doing some pretty shady things to uh, circumvent the cap, but that's so NBA. Like, their league yeah. does not, their, their their GMs and owners do not care for the rules, <laughs> in the C- which yeah. is entertaining and it's fun, and I love it, and I'm, all, I'm here for it. If every team did it, that'd be great. The CFL doesn't quite live 
that way. For the most part, they like to at least pretend to follow the rules. Because um, I'm sh- I'm fairly positive this is not the first time this has happened, and it won't be the last. Cavis uh, just got caught for some reason. Probably, my theory is, and I, it hasn't been backed up at all, and there's no way I think we'll ever really know for sure. But I was like, this feels like uh, the new ownership group that's probably going to be coming in here was doing some due diligence and was like, huh, now something's not adding up here, and uh, stumbled upon this whole weird and wacky scheme an outrageously greasy scheme, you could say, that he's uh, come up with, and just everything. And it's just, it's just so weird timing and trend, because everyone was so shocked at first, because for the first time in, like, 100 years, Montreal is yeah. looking like somewhat of a competent football team, and all of a sudden their GM is axed, and everyone's like, whoa! I mean, we've yeah. all been calling for Cavus Reed to be fired, but now that it's actually happened, it was weird, because they're kind of good. And then the details started to come out, and everyone's like, that meme, like, oh... You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The old monkey, the side-eyed monkey, like, taking a look, taking a look, and you're looking the other way. But but it's just – and the thing is, too, with, with the team now being, like, league-controlled, it's the same thing as, like, you know, even myself. There's a certain way I would certainly not act around the owner of our company, although he's an extremely laid-back human being, and, and, and I love working for him. There are things I won't say and do around him. Yeah, fair enough. You'd, you'd think when the league and the commissioner is essentially up in your kitchen watching your every move because they are now your owners and bosses, that you'd maybe ixnay on the shady-ish. You you would think, but I mean, I guess this is Cavus Reed we're talking about. Or maybe he had, but the evidence of prior wrongdoings existed still. I don't know. Fair, fair. Maybe, there, the maybe, one... there, maybe they had a mole on the inside and he... You know, someone brought them down. Mole, mole, mole. Maybe, maybe Vernon Adams has been the mole the whole time. Oh, maybe. But, but the thing that I love though is, is how rare is it across any sport when a GM gets gassed that you see a guy that was just cut so quickly brought back and another guy just let go instantly? Not very often. Not, not the, like, not the two of them. Like every so often, a guy gets cut pretty quickly. I don't usually see a guy come back quite so quickly. And especially oh, yeah. both of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was it was so, like, bang, bang. You're like, oh, okay, this is all. And all the shadiness all of a sudden seemed to make sense. And, like, mm-hmm. man, like, I would I would pay to, 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 to watch an investigative or a good documentary on what exactly the hell has been happening in Montreal. This, this would make an excellent 30 for 30 someday, though. As league partners, I don't feel like TSN would ever go that deep into something that negative on the CFL. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sportsnet, uh, we're, we're looking at you right now. We, we, we got you. We, we know our rash will gladly do the groundwork. <laughs> yeah, at least that's what some people would think, and he probably would. Because, I mean, it would still, whether, no matter what you think of Arash, if he did the story, it'd be well done. And it's a story that's probably worth telling one day to figure out what the heck happened to the Montreal Alouettes after Anthony Elvio retired. Bob Wettenell eventually gave control to his son, and it all just seemed to spiral just outstandingly out of control. Oh, yeah. Good old dumpster fires. Yeah, as uh, well as we've seen in these parts, sometimes uh, the sons of owners don't make the best uh, people to control sports franchises. General, they, they yeah, then they become a head co- or general manager and now director of business ops and fire a whole bunch of marketing people. And uh, what that, that's never happened around here before, no. Joel. What are you talking? About? No, there's it hasn't happened in both markets. No, like no, never. <laughs>
Uh, something that is that does happen in both markets is, of course, uh, delicious local craft beer. As uh, John, what's in the glass this week? Uh, not quite as local, but delicious craft. Uh, still, uh, after a fun, fun, fun weekend of uh, well, actually mostly drinking good beer. There was there was a lull while I was on a golf course because you rarely find good beer on a golf course. But uh, went back into the care package from uh, mom and dad for her, perhaps one of my favorite sipping beers it is the lake of the woods brewing company out of kenora ontario ontario's northernmost brewery fun fact there um it's their blueberry ale blued with actual blueberries and it is one of my favorites it is a strong beer it is delightful and tasty and uh yeah i uh, i like it a lot so had to go into the care package for a nice sipping while podcasting beer that's a little fun fact on that. Uh, we've actually had someone ask us at my day job if we could uh, bring Lake of the Woods in. So we're we're trying to figure that out right now if they have the capacity to uh, send us some stuff or not. Yeah, you should. Uh, I've everything I've had from them is an absolute hit. It's very it's very it's very crisp. Like it's very mm-hmm. uh, northern Ontario. Like I know they're using probably like water out of the, of the lakes and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it's very everything's got a nice crisp, fresh taste to it. Also, a hit every time is, of course, our good friends from uh, Nakoma, Saskatchewan and the Nakoma's Craft Ooh. Ales Company. And I am drinking their new delicious, easy-drinking Session Ale. Just a nice little, uh, kind of a little hazy, but a little citrusy, a little hoppy all at the same time, but really on the lighter side of all of those. So it's uh, mm. great for a day like today where it's just unbearably hot outside. Unless you're me and you have central air. And it's actually, it's actually kind of cold. I'm actually under a blanket right now. Joel, how are you feeling, buddy? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so what we do want to talk about of course on this podcast is uh, the saskatchewan rough riders and they they came off uh, a pretty big win over the bc lions and i know some people are kind of arguing about whether this was a big win or it was a you know they got by barely or anything like that to me i think they proved at least in that game that they were a far better team than the bc lions i know the yes. game was close for so for a while but i mean that happens in professional sports i think eventually the better team pulls away and that's exactly what the Riders did. And how they did it, as I laid it out, I think pretty plainly in my column, they they won the line of scrimmage. And I know it's boring to talk about that when it comes to football, but that's essentially what they did. Um, even with a pretty banged-up offensive line themselves, the Riders kept Cody Fajardo clean. I don't know what that says about the, the BC Lions' pass rush under Devon Claybrooks and his supposed defensive d- defensive genius. And they were just in Mike Riley's kitchen, at least the entire second half. The first half, they were kept at bay a little bit by a pretty good running game that uh, Brendan Rudley got nicked a little bit, and then they basically just abandoned the run for whatever reason. And then the Riders were just allowed to tee off, and that pretty much won them the football game there because if you watched and you, you saw how Charleston Hughes and defensive line and everyone were getting there pretty much every play, even though it, for a while it was like a one-point game, you never really got the feeling that BC was going to muster much beyond that once they abandoned the running game. No, no, you're absolutely right. Watching that game and every time BC had the ball, like me and my buddies while playing Madden, you know, how every episode of, of House MD, uh, it, it would always start with a lupus diagnosis. Uh, we used to, whenever we'd bring the house per se, we used to whisper to each other, it's not lupus. I felt like I was watching one of those old games in which I would probably turn to one of my buddies and go, it's not lupus. And you'd bring the house uh, up in Mike Riley's kitchen the entire night and just constant pressure. And Mike Riley does not look like he knows what he signed himself up for. That offensive line, you said it, Joel, that offensive line was just 
horrendous again for Mike Riley. Again, the Riders got a couple of the best pass rushers in the CFL, and they're starting to be able to tee off and starting to get their mojo and their swagger. And yeah, at, at no point, I only really caught, um, had to work late, and then I was off to to a, a little uh, a little event that night. And once I arrived, we were all watching the Rider game out on a deck. It was really quite a nice night, but. Watch the second half, and yeah, even though it was like 1918, you could just see every single time you're like, yeah, the riders, the riders are going to win this. Like there's, there's no doubt in my mind. It just was they need a bounce or two to go their way, and yeah, it was, it was ugly again for the BC Lions. Just that is, I can't get over. And again, it's quickly looking another one of my bad takes, but <laughs> I can't get over how bad that team looks so far this year. Like. Mm-hmm. We know the Argos are bad, but BC was not supposed to be bad. And they're just like, holy cheese on a cracker. Like, it is, it is, it is like, I, I, like, is there anything they do well? Was there anything that team did well against the Riders? No. Well, they ran the football pretty well. I would, I would say they are capable Fair. of running the football, which is something they should do more because we've talked about this in the past when it comes to the Riders' offensive line at times. Run the football, let them get their energy going, let the offensive line get their mojo going a bit, and get them in attack mode rather than retreat. And it just it changes the entire game for the offensive line. And we saw that from BC for the first half, and then it just completely fell apart after that. So if they can continue that for an entire game, they might be able to do something, but the problem is when you have Mike Riley, you're, you know, it's hard to stick to the run that much, really, as you're paying this guy nearly 800 grand, so you want him to go out there and win you football games. But just when it, and really, I think the warning signal for the Lions should have been when they only beat Toronto by one point. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you and I, I think I briefly, we both briefly alluded to this uh, mm-hmm. when we last recorded. Like, is BC that bad? Like. This this is kind of how I feel about the BC Lions right now, and we'll, we'll get into what this means for the Riders and all that in a little second here, but I just, I think for the BC Lions, I, I don't know, like, Ed Hervey, it feels to me, like, he, because he landed Mike Riley, he's trying to now rush the process. He's very much, yeah. you know, he's bought a bunch of guys, and he's trying to make this, they're trying to make this whole thing glue and come together and work, and it's... It's just not there. There's a lot of great individuals on that team, but I, it just doesn't feel like it's coming together in any sort of meaningful kind of way. And you're not going to win a lot of football games doing that. You, sometimes you are in, in the CFL, it is possible to buy a lot of players and have it work yeah. together. But the group, for whatever reason, what they've assembled in BC, it's not working. And I don't. And so when, yeah, when you get a guy like Mike Riley, that kind of changes your plans a little bit, and blah 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 blah. But if you look at the opposite end, you look at a team like BC, uh, sorry, like Winnipeg, where they were and where they are now, I think that's kind of the model of how you dig yourself out of a funk as a franchise is get the right guys in place, be patient with them, and build this thing slowly and methodically. And it seems like, I don't know if Ed Hervey just, if Ed Hervey believes that, he probably does to a degree, but he's also trying to capitalize on Mike Riley and a hopeful bump of interest for the franchise just to generate something at the same yeah. time. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. I think Winnipeg and even Saskatchewan leading up until 2013 were really a couple prime examples of that. I mean, the, you and I have alluded to before how the Riders ahead of 2013 had this great core that then they supplemented with mm-hmm. the big-name guys, right? I mean, and you're starting to see that a little bit in Winnipeg with, with bringing, like, Chris Chris Matthews back and things like that, right? And even mm-hmm. this Riders team, and you and I have talked before – 
The goal is, of course, the goal is to be good every year. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not to be good this year. The goal is to be great while you're, you know, you're in a Grey Cup hosting situation. And I'm starting to feel the more I watch the Saskatchewan team, the more that I'm like, and, and you've said it. You're the one that said it a couple of times. It's This year is like 2012. Mm-hmm. You're going to identify the core of your team, and then you're going to go out. You're probably going to spend over the cap next year because you got a, what should be a great Grey Cup festival coming your way. I just pass out a few envelopes. It'll be fine. <laughs> hey, what could go wrong? There's, exactly. There's a lot of numbered <laughs> companies in Saskatchewan. Uh, Joel and I are willing to You don't to even need numbered companies. They just need sponsorship deals with Mosaic and all these other companies, and they'll just run it through that. <laughs> Well, the thing is, in Saskatchewan, like, and here's the thing, it would be such an easy scam to pull in Saskatchewan, yeah. because every farmer out there that is a season ticket holder probably has a numbered company. Oh, yeah. Right? And you could just say, hey, you know what, Jim and Kindersley, Brendan Labatt worked on your farm this week, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, give him this envelope. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I just feel like it'd be way easier to do in Saskatchewan, but, but regardless, uh, you're right, I, I think... BC basically had Mike Riley handed them on a silver platter. He did not seem to want to come back to Edmonton or go anywhere else. The guy wanted to be in BC. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you hit the panic button. The, the team's attendance is struggling. And now it's just like, like, it's funny. Like, uh, I, we knew the Argos would be bad. And yes. there's not a lot of noise about the Argos being bad. But I feel like BC could be one of those teams. And this is just nothing more than my gut. One of those teams that something really blows up here if, mm-hmm. if they go on and lose a couple more times and really their season could potentially be over by Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, it's, it feels entirely possible and this continues to hold true to one of my theories that I've kind of always believed about the CFL and that's there's always at least one team that is going to be far better than you expect and one team that's going to be far worse than you expect. And right now, it's pretty clear amongst the Lions that you know, everyone thought the Lions were going to be a pretty good team this year. And they're crap. Yeah. So they're clearly the team yeah. that everyone thought was going to be good that's bad. Um, Ottawa, there's a lot of team, you know, they're kind of mixed. But I think for the most part, we figured they would drop off to some degree. Montreal and Edmonton are kind of the teams maybe that are have the shot of right of being, you know, the team that people thought would be bad that turned out to be good. So, but BC is yeah. clearly right now the front runner for that team that everyone thought that was going to be good and isn't. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I mean, in a nine, it, it, it's it's fascinating to me how, in a nine-team league, that can happen so consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's you're right. It just seems to be a, a universal like the football gods have dictated that once a year, exactly that is going to happen in the CFL, and it just seems to be a mainstay. And and you're right. Credit to Montreal, who has been an utter and complete gong show for the past several years all of a sudden pulling it together under Kahari Jones, who, you know, bomber fan, near and dear to my heart. Love seeing Kahari do well. Oh, but... Everyone loves Kahari. He's bounced around the league a little bit, so he has connections, you know, in Vancouver and Saskatchewan. Here's a QB's coach here for a little bit. And I remember talking to him quite frequently about different things and just just a, just a great guy to talk to and deal with. So, you know, I think everyone's really happy for Kahari Jones. Well, absolutely. And, and as you and I have, have said before, you know, it, when you work in the media – you start rooting for guys, and mm-hmm. you know, as much as I'm a Bombers fan, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this Riders team that I've gotten to like and root for. Um, one of them being Brendan Labatt, who was back at practice too today. That's that's good news for the Riders. Still, apparently, a few weeks away, but yeah. 
But still, yep. at least oh, yeah. he's you know he's he's not ending up in Chris Bestville where it's just like he's hurt, still hurt, <laughs> he's gone, he's retired. Okay, bye. Right, like it, yeah. it, it, at least you're seeing him out there. Yeah, that, that's that's true. And what's been really interesting is the, kind of how the rest of the offensive line has come along. Because I remember at the start of the season, you know, our good friend John Hodge of Three Down Nation was suggesting after the draft that the Riders should have selected at least another offensive lineman higher in the draft. Yeah. And we talked about how that was maybe entirely true. And I think for the most part, and since you agreed with me, this is kind of, you're actually not off on this take for a change. The guys that they've <laughs> believed in are backing them up. So I think we all expected Dakota Shepley to be pretty good eventually, maybe not this good pretty fast. And the one guy, uh, Braden Schramm, who they a lot of people didn't know a whole lot about coming into this season, and I didn't really know a whole lot about him either, quite frankly. Yeah. But some people had told me that the team is pretty high on him, and we saw why in that football game. He comes in for Phillip like one play in, basically, has to play the rest of the game at guard, and the offensive line is fine. Like, this is a oh, unit I- that is completely banged up. Uh, you know, there's no Brennan Labatt. There's no, you know, there's guys, and... There's guys down, there's guys missing, like experienced guys who have been in this league around a while and make a big difference. And a guy in the middle, Dan Clark, who we've always kind of hit and miss sometimes at center. And you you could you could have sworn Brendan LeBat was still out there the way the offensive line played that football game. Oh, 100%. And, and, and again, and you said it in your article today, talking about the battle was won in the trenches. Um, this, to me, to, for football fans... Or maybe new to the game that don't that don't look at it from a di- from a deep perspective. If you want to see how important the offensive defensive lines are in a game, we've all got the the names, the Mike Rileys of the world, the Bowley by Mitchells. None of that happens without the big boys. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see a game where victory was essentially dictated by the big boys, watch it. Like last week's game was it, and you're not going to lose a lot of football games. When your O and D lines look that good, and I mean, I I can't see that changing. Again, people are going to have off games, and, mm-hmm. and you can game plan after seeing a team back to back. But NBC I on can't... both sides of the line of scrimmage seem to be pretty weak too, so that helps. Well, well, but that's and that's it. And BC's shown that weakness every every week. Like that is why they've got all these big names, and 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 quite frankly, can't do anything. Um, and that's a great sign for the Riders because we were talking about before we started recording this. The sweep for the Riders will be massive. Mm-hmm. Like this is like all jokes aside. Oh, there's the season begins on Labor Day. Like you've heard that a million and one times, and and I think you said it that yeah, you can't clinch yourself a playoff spot. No, I mean, I mean the Riders. If you go okay, crap. if you go if you go like nine and zero into Labor Day, you're probably gonna make the playoffs. Right, I mean, and that's a yeah. fair assumption, but on the same note, you can also cost yourself a playoff spot by Labor Day, and that's what I think the, the riders can do to BC. And I had a real, while reading what you wrote today, I had a real moment of, huh. Because you pointed out that despite the fact, I don't think this has been a great start by this riders team. It's been good. There's been, there's been lots of reasons to be optimistic. Uh, the Ottawa game was, was, was not so good, but <laughs> they're a game out of third right now. Like to me, this has not been the best they've like, this has not been the best start of the season uh, to the season for them. No. And to me, they're starting to come around like, like seeing the way that, that when you're the better football team, the way they, they could just control that entire game against BC. It was like, 
okay, the riders are getting good, and mm-hmm. they're improving, well, and this is a good thing. Yeah, it's the old saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to I don't think, to, I don't feel like they started super strong, but I feel like no. out of all the teams you look at in the CFL and the West Division, with, with maybe the exception of Montreal, I think they they're trending. Uh, they continue to trend upwards more and more each week compared to the other teams in the West. Yeah, and well, well the Calgary game was one of those throwaway games that kind of happens throughout the course of the year. Mm-hmm. I think that became abundantly clear. You know, Cody had, Cody Fajardo had his first bump as a young quarterback, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a second. You know, guys, it was a short, it was a quick turnaround from the Saturday to the Friday or whatever day it was. Thursday, whatever day of the week was, I don't even remember. <laughs> it was short. It was a short, it was a quick turnaround, and BC, uh, Calgary had an extra two days, and the bye week was on the horizon, and there's just all these factors, and, you know, it's yeah. a, a first-time head coach dealing with all these factors at once, and it just, they, just, they were off, and it happens. And I think especially, as I wrote, when you're not an elite football team, when you're kind of middle of the road to below average, it happens even more. So there's, oh, going, God, yeah. there's going to be the wild swings both ways, and we've seen them already this season. So I think that's important to note. And the important thing was they had the bounce back. And we saw that, especially a huge bounce back for Cody Fajardo, because there was, for some reason, I didn't really understand why, I guess maybe because it's Saskatchewan, and sometimes we lack a little bit of patience around here when it comes to the football team. There was a lot of people down on Cody Fajardo after one bad game. And I'm just like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We all knew this was going to happen at some point. This is not Tom Brady coming in for some reason, yeah. ever having a bad game for the rest of his life. This was not going to happen. <laughs> like it was, there was going to be something right. eventually where Cody Fajardo was going to have a rough game, and it happened two games in, which is pretty normal for some guys. Now we'll see where he goes from here. And okay, he didn't blow the doors off the joint against BC, but he proved that he's a good quarterback. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Cody Fajardo, I'm still not really too, ready to appoint him elite in the league. I'm not ready to appoint him as you know a long-term starter for this team or anything like that. But right now, it's pretty clear that he's a pretty good quarterback based on the fact that he was able to bounce back. Cody Fajardo. I mean, just from the name alone, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the Fajardo club. Um, you're absolutely right, Joel. Um, another a, a big indicator to me, though, was watching the trust that Steve McIndoe and, and the rest of the coaching staff has in Fajardo in this game. You're right. Mm-hmm. He did not play well again. I mean, nobody played nobody well did. against Calgary. That no. was, that, it, I think AC Leonard, right. Leonard did, and that was about it. And uh, Derek Moncrief. The yeah. two of them played well against Calgary. Everyone else, no. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was one of those games that, like we both said, you burn the tape. Now, to watch him bounce, bounce back, and bounce back in a way that, like, you could tell he had the trust Mm-hmm. of McAdoo and the offensive staff. Yeah. You and I, I mean, you texted me, and, and uh, I was bad at responding because I was double-fisting IPAs at the time, but uh, you texted me and talked about how much you loved, especially late in the game, going for the kill shot. And this goes back to a point that uh, Rod Peterson made before the season that everybody's, oh, McAdoo, McAdoo, McAdoo. Everybody loved McAdoo when Kevin Glenn was there. And... And I saw flashes of, you know, the ability to go, you know, short, get your get your 10 yards, get your 8 yards here, and then put your boot on the throat and trust him with the deep throws. That, to me, shows that this guy has the trust of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And from a guy that's been around, uh, again, I've never been around a professional football team, but I've, again, I've been around junior football teams, I've traveled with them, I've been around CIS teams travel with them got to know the guys got to know the personalities got to know the coaching staffs and it's a lot different 
when the coaches trust the quarterback to do the right thing at all times and to play, you know, you're not calling the game so the quarterback doesn't lose the game. You're calling the game so the quarterback wins the game. And I think that's what happened against BC. And I continue to be a a huge fan of Cody Fajardo. I think you're right. I am not ready to anoint him elite. But I can say even with what he has shown so far, I would at least put him ahead of everybody in the East minus Mazzoli. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's not a super high bar, right now. Um, though but, I but though, it, I, though but, I do yeah, the, I do the think bar in the West is stupid high. Yeah, it is. It is stupid high, and in, in the West it's high. Like he's probably still he's still number five in the West realistically. But I mean that's 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 no insult to him. That's just who he's up against. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the West, and that, that, the West that's, that's, include, like, that's assuming everyone's healthy. Like, I'm not saying Nick Arbuckle is better than Cody Fajardo at this point. I'm saying when Bo Levi's in there, obviously he's better. Trevor Harris is better right now. I, we'll see long term. Um, Matt Nichols is better because he's on another planet right now. And, yeah. of course, like all the guys in the West are better on paper. Mike Riley is, of course, better. Doesn't mean their teams are better. Doesn't mean they're, you know, these other guys aren't better. You know, doesn't mean they're good fits in Saskatchewan either in the whole thing. It's just, yeah. And you can maybe make the argument that Vernon Adams might be creeping up there in the East, maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, he's 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 creeping up there. I mean, he looks like he looks to me similar to the way that Fajardo looks right now in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. There are flashes. And we're not going to call him what I believe Milt Stegall or no Davis Sanchez or one of them was calling him over the weekend on the panel. Yeah, yeah. That Don't nickname yeah. cannot yeah. stick. That nickname can't stick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, we're we're definitely not doing that. We'll we'll just have fun because he's got a fun name to say, like Sergio Castillo, and he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the CFL, uh, largely based on his interactions with the media and just being a good dude. Like he's he's not an asshole, so I feel like I can really cheer. He's like the kind of guy you can just cheer for. Like really underheralded his, his entire career. Mm-hmm. Now he gets to come to the biggest market in the CFL, and and really be the guy and so far seems to be embracing that while still remaining humble. And you got to give the guy credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the important part too was after that thumping he took in against Calgary, he owned up to it and said, you know, that loss is on him and he needs to be better and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he came out and he did it. So that's, that's really all you can say about that. And I think, I think the, the, the ceiling is still pretty high for Cody Fajardo. Will he go all the way to the top? I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think at the very least right now, it's you can say with confidence, probably for the neck for the foreseeable future, he's at least in a situation where you could see him as a one A one B guy, at the very least. Yep. And at, at the top end, he's a very good starting quarterback. Yeah, and 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 that to me is going to lead you to more success than than putting all your your eight hundred thousand dollars of eggs into one basket with with Riley or Bo Levi and just bastardizing the rest of your team, right? Like just cutting out so much talent everywhere else. Like I really, you know, we, we look at the core of the riders moving forward and I, I don't know, Joel, I'm, I'm really, I'm really feeling optimistic after this game. Yeah. I, I think and, there is, there is reason for optimism and I think they're, they're starting to come together a little bit. There's going to be a build. There's still going to be another bump or two along the way. There's no question about it. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think you can kind of see the trajectory of where this is possibly going. And it's, it's probably not to the promised land still this year. But they're no. building on something, and I think, you know, we've talked about the Bombers and you know, the way they've built what they've become now. I just hope that Jeremy O'Day, and if it ends up being Craig Dickinson or not, I don't know, 
I still don't know if it's really a long-term play or not for this team, but regardless, I hope at least Jeremy O'Day gets the patience that other guys in his job have not gotten from this province and this franchise to yes. see it through. Give him a give him a string because I think I really believe Jeremy O'Day could be Kyle Walters and build a team properly. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. He's shown flashes of that and. Uh... And if, if Jeremy O'Day does go out and get a big free agent signing, a big, you know, American free agent signing, please don't stab him while he's out for dinner. <laughs> don't go full yeah. Winnipeg, Regina. Do not go full Winnipeg. Yeah, I don't know how to turn off that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are some people going, I guess, full Saskatchewan, full Regina a little bit from something that I did write in my post because I did, you know, <laughs> because I'm Captain Negative, right? I had to find some things to pick out of that football game, even though a lot of it was, well, the run game, the run D specifically was not nitpicking. That was something that's something that probably needs to be cleaned up fairly significantly. Yep. Um, the other thing was overall in the grand scheme of things, yes, very much nitpicking, and I did not really expect it to blow up a little bit, but I've been informed that perhaps it has. Um, and that's the John Ryan's punting. And I know that John Ryan mm-hmm. is the golden boy, and he's, you know, Regina's NFLer. He's won a Super Bowl, and everyone loves him. And, you know, this is, again, not a shot at the guy. It's not even a shot at his abilities because he can kick a football farther than anyone I've watched live in my life. So that's yeah, that's all you need to know about that. But his punting against the BC Lions, despite the cheers from the fans, was not good. Yes, he hit the ball no. 300 yards every time. But three of them rolled into the end zone, and... Two of them had to be Rouges. The one, he was bailed out by a BC Lions holding penalty, which pinned them back by the five. So they declined the Rouge and took the penalty. And that to, when as soon as Craig Dickinson accepted that penalty, that to me told me that the Rouges weren't on purpose. And no. And, and, so, and, and the, the punt, and the punts were, the, so the punts weren't good. His best punch of the night was ruined by his gunner not paying attention to where he was on the football field. Yes. Um, and this is, yeah, nitpicking a little bit. They're, they're like they're yardage wise, they're pretty good spots where they were going, but he's still too much toward the middle of the field. I don't know if he's just too afraid of taking that penalty where if it's not below the twenty and it goes straight out, it's a penalty. I don't know if that's in his head too much or what the deal is. But if he's just a little closer to the, all those the sidelines on these, they probably bounce and they're out of the bounds at the four, the five, and these are just perfect punts. But instead. He's a little too close to the center, and they're rolling into the end zone. And it's—I think he's already got more rouges than Josh Bartel had his entire time in Saskatchewan. Yes, yes, and I, and I'm with you. Uh, I I think defending him, like you don't you, <laughs> if you watch the CFL, you know that you're not aiming for a rouge unless you're trying to get the one point. No, there the there are strategic situations where the rouge, the the one point, is actually you know it's smart and it's good to take that point. But oh, uh-huh. generally, generally that's you know those are rare occurrences. You know you're. It's the final few minutes of the game, and you're up eight, but you're not really in field goal range, so you hammer in the end zone to go up two possessions, right? Like, yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and and but but the situations in which, like again, being a guy that watches a lot of bomber football and seeing what Justin Medlock does time and time again, and the way the guy's got like different grips and like he's got different like places he puts the ball and kicks the ball in different spins to make sure that it does go out of bounds, like. That to me is like is fascinating. That's what and that's what you need out of a guy. He's trying to you know put somebody in the coffin corner right now. Mm-hmm. John Ryan, I will, I will to his defense. I am with you. Uh, Saskatchewan A should not be cheering a rouge that clearly was not intended to be a rouge. That's like, <laughs> I get it, Golden Boy, well liked guy. Just don't. 
do it. Like, just don't. Um, yeah. But to me, John Ryan is the kind of guy, like, like I, I look at Justin Medlock when he does his best work. He's basically trying, you know, you're out golfing. Justin Medlock's trying to hit, like, a nine iron into a green. You know, with the amount of distance that John Ryan has and a lot of the places he's punting from trying to flip the field, he's trying to hit the green with that same four iron, right? Just a little bit less accurate. I, I, I think he is going to figure it out. Yep. Um, but in the meantime, don't cheer for Rouges. Like, I love the Rouge more than anybody else. Like, Sergio's game-winning Rouge <laughs> is a highlight of my life. As we know from but... our last episode. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. But... Just don't, just, just don't do it, man. Like, like it, it wasn't trying, it, it, and it wasn't clearly just a few people. Like, it was there was a lot of people in the stadium cheering these rouges. And shout out to Chris on Twitter, who is the one guy who I've seen. At least I don't, I haven't looked on the website, but on Twitter, there's one comment on the post of my story, and the guy agreed with me. And he said he was like, he felt like he was the only guy in Pill Country, just just voicing his displeasure with the rouge on that play. Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you. And everybody, and it's funny, you haven't actually read the Facebook comments on your article. I was the one no. to text you, I'm like, hey, everybody kind of hates you today. But I will admit, the Facebook comments, like, especially now I love on our site, or your site, because you don't pay me. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that it has to be, like, actual Facebook people, so you can, like, look at their account, and everybody's like, I'm sorry, Jewel, but I disagree with you. You don't know what the coaches are thinking. Like, and I Nobody's don't, but really... I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like Craig Dickinson's history his... in special teams is I've rarely seen him call for a rouge on purpose. So, <laughs> And 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 again, you, you neither of us claim to be an expert, but both of, us have no. watched, both of us have watched a lot of football games and generally kind of had an idea of what to do strategy-wise in most situations. Like... You and I have watched a lot of football in our lives. And again, mm -hmm. that does not make us experts, but that means we have a kind of a general idea of what's going on. I mean, sometimes, you know, we're not going to pull a Rod Black and call a field goal good that goes super wide, you know, no. reigniting the Rod Black drinking game for a whole other audience. Shout out Andrew Buckles. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, yeah, you can tell. That's not, that's not what Craig wanted. You know, his eyebrow probably twitched a little bit. Yeah, and I, I, you could have had the thought that maybe these were on purpose until he accepted that one with the penalty and pinned them deep. I think it's always preferable to pin them deep because one point generally isn't worth it. Yes, there are scenarios where the one point is good. Um, that's why I love the Rouge because there is a strategic element to it at times mm -hmm. where it's very, it's very tempting probably to add that extra point for whatever for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I, I, I think. I think those were probably meant to either be caught at you know in those spots or roll out of bounds or whatever the case may be in those spots, and they would have been fine, and they would have been spectacular punts, considering. But I just don't think that's what they want. And the, the extra yardage on two is maybe a bit of a stretch. I said six points probably came off those punts. One, for sure, they would have been out of field goal range by the time they got the stop if they pinned them deeper. The other, they were still pretty close, so it would have been a more difficult field goal at least. So... They gained two points on those plays, but they gave up six, so is only they were you know they were negative four because of the rouges. Yes, yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. And I think John Ryan has enough talent, and he's been doing this long enough that you know he will get it figured out. Now, I was just thinking as we were discussing. I mean, a lot of those a lot of those punts that that he's trying to put near near to the sidelines, but are 
going nearer to the middle of the field here. Guy's also got a lot more field to work with that he hasn't kicked on for a very long time. So, no, you know, there's, there's an adjustment there for sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's basically got a laser guided rocket leg that, you know, has like missile power to it every time he boots a ball. But yeah, he's going to have, he's just he's gonna, got, got a dial in his four iron. He's going to get it figured out. You know, I have faith. I have faith in the ginger guy. So the Riders have the Lions again this week and we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit as we look forward to uh, where this team is going and what's next and what they have in front of them right now is a real opportunity in my opinion to basically distance themselves so far from the lions that they're probably not going to catch them and we've talked about this you know you talk about labor day and all that and this is one of those scenarios where the lions for them this is an absolute must win because i think if they fall effectively three games behind the riders you know two in the standings and an extra one with a tiebreaker I do not like their chances of getting out of the basement, barring something absolutely ridiculous happening. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. I think this, this is definitely the game that that has. You can make the argument that that obviously last week had a ton of relevancy in in terms of, in terms of the playoff standings and things like that. But this is the first game. You're right. You can really put the boot on the throat of the BC Lions and, and jump that because that tiebreaker could be so huge, especially in a year that. You know, even with Montreal's resurgence, it looks like a crossover is still going to be in play. I don't think Ottawa's that good. No, I don't so think either. they're as good as... No, I think I think Ottawa, you know, managed to scrape one out against the Riders, which again will happen in the long season. But uh, I, I really think that that fourth place team in the West is going to be uh, a playoff team. So, like you said, you can virtually put yourself up three games against this team. It is must win. They showed a lot of good flashes of, of having a little bit of that killer instinct that I think this offense may have lacked under Zach Caleros and doesn't mm-hmm. seem to under Cody. But I, I, I definitely like this game. If you haven't been watching this season, it's been real nice this summer. If you've been making plans to do other things, you know, yeah, take, take this one. This is one to watch. The intensity is going to be there. It's always the second one of a back-to-back. This is a huge game for the Riders. Mm-hmm. And while you're on the back deck, while you're out in your kayak going down the Saskatchewan River or whatever, listen to our boy Derek Taylor. That's what radios exist for, right? That's still a thing here, millennials slash everybody. And you know what? You can also listen on your phone, even though I've been... Even though we heard this week that apparently phones are ruining society and are reasons why people aren't going to football games anymore. Oh my god, don't get me started on that. Do not get me started on that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.